Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast, episode 100, which is just crazy and blows my mind so much. Um, today, we're going to be doing my race report, um, uh, my own like reflections about the Desert Rat stage race. Uh, if you listened way back when, uh, my big race the year before was Monument Valley, and we kind of did the same thing where I brought my one of my best friends, Brady Manriquez, guest number one on the podcast. I, fi- I figured guest 100 would be poetic, uh, but I'm bringing him on to kind of interview me just so I can kind of like talk through my main ideas because I was thinking about this. I was like, well, I could probably attempt to record a podcast by myself about this race. But it's a lot easier if Brady, first of all, is an amazing interviewer, but it's a lot easier if someone's asking you questions and kind of like guiding you through the stories. And this is about a week and a half out from the race. And I haven't told Brady anything. I called him like three or four days ago and I talked really fast and I came to remember what it was about. Oh, I was like, you need to get Skype for episode 100. And here's why, but I'm not going to tell you anything right now. And, uh, (laughs) And so I'm glad to say he's on the show today, but kind of my thought being, I want to get my story out of the way. So that way when I'm interviewing, so next week I'm going to interview a lot of people who are involved with the race and I just want to get mine out of the way. That way I can be completely focused, completely tuned in on their own stories because this race was such an adventure and we'll get into it, but it was such an adventure that it just breeds these amazing just it's the amazing like human stories that ultra runs and especially i mean i've never done anything this big so especially these big events um six day events these things breed adventure stories they they just they just do um and every single person there was 25 of us we all had our own special individual experience with our own special adversities ups and downs and all that stuff so i want to get into that next week for the show but i just want to kind of get mine out of the way and if you can't tell from my amazingly sexy voice right now um i have a little bit of cold because apparently you can only record 99 episodes of a podcast and have your voice work properly um and then at episode 100 you just crap out you know um so i'm drinking a hot toddy which is something i feel like grandma's drink and I maybe I'm totally wrong about that. I don't know. But anyways, I'm drinking a hot toddy. Gonna try to knock this voice out. But uh, that's why I sound sultry. So um, during this episode, we I did record some clips from the race. And so here's the guide for you guys. Present day Chris sounds like this. Sounds like he maybe just smoked a carton of like 55 cigarettes. Because he's sick. <laughs> Brady's giving me a shrug face. Like, what? Um, And past Chris is out of breath. So that's how you follow this. Present day Chris's voice is going away. Past Chris, out of breath. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. I have Mr. Brady Manriquez just looking, looking great on Skype. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah. So I thought, man, like you were episode one of the podcast, dude. And obviously you've been on quite a bit of times. Like I feel... I feel like, honestly, like, I guess just talking about episode 100, so much of this podcast is because of you. So thank you for that. It's been fun to be involved with you starting a podcast, with you, like, setting that goal. 
Um, and it's been really fun to like watch <laughs> you evolve the podcast and your journey into as athletics as well. Like, yeah, it's been fun to watch the whole thing from the beginning. Um, real quick though, I think if a hot toddy would be, would fit well with like a James Taylor song, baby, <laughs> it's cold outside. I feel like a hot toddy might've like made an appearance in that song. They just hot toddied it up in that creepy song. Yeah. In retrospect, it is a little creepy. It's a great, anyway. I mean, I like the song. <laughs> You know what's weird, man? Because that song's on Elf with Will Ferrell and Zoe Dashanel sing it. Do you remember that part? Or is it because I have kids? Yeah. No, I, I do. I so do. every time I sing it, I only sing the girl part. I don't know why. Can't explain it. <laughs> so anyway. Well, it's because you have, maybe it's because you have uh, a house for, full of girls, which I want to ask real quick. Yeah. I think that had to be a bit the biggest mental trip of the entire thing. So much of this is uh, physical, but like to leave your wife and kids for that amount of time that you haven't done, I have to imagine came up. I'm sure we'll get into everything about the race, but like the what you took on was insane in terms of distance and in terms of just a radical change in your day to day life all of a sudden in the middle of a week. Um, uh yeah it had to be crazy yeah where well, yeah so where do you want to start talking about this? well man? we can start like, there where man. would you like to begin it was funny like i did think going into the race i was like you know my day-to-day life seems so busy that having one task to do during like during a whole week really only having one thing which is simply like moving forward even though there's so much more involved but like that was like a welcome like it was easier almost in a, in a way it was easier to do the race just because I only, it like cleared my mind, I guess maybe yeah. not easier, but focusing just on one thing shows you the power of that, the power of not multitasking and just simply doing one specific thing. Um, and it showed me the power of just taking a break from routine, taking a break from technology, uh, you know, and it was honestly, Brady, I'm, I'm not just saying this. Like, I don't, I don't want anything in the podcast today to sound like is, is hype. What's the word? Hyperlative. Is that a thing? <laughs> no, this will be the third time I've been on your podcast and said this word, but it's hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't want to like be all hyperbole. <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> um, but this it truly was the greatest adventure experience I've ever had um, for so many reasons, so many reasons. And the, I guess the first thing I wanted to, the thing I want to make clear more than anything else is the, the other racers, the crew, the med crew, the chef, um, the aid station workers, the camp crew, like there's like probably 45 of us on this adventure out in the desert and it didn't matter your role. Everybody bonded so well together and we just had the most fun time. Um, after the race, I was talking you know, to, to some of the other races. I'm like, man, if you told someone on the street about this, they would just imagine like, oh my God, that's so much suffering because you're going 140 some miles in 95 degree heat to 100 degree heat even more up mountains all this stuff and they'd be like that sounds like (laughs) suffering and there was suffering and you know 
I, like I said, I don't want to speak for anyone else's experience, but my own, but for me, like the suffering was such a small part of it. It was such a small percentage. The amount, like if you had a pie chart, the amount of suffering would be like a small sliver. The amount of laughter and like joy and enjoyment would be the rest of it. And it was so much fun. Um, yeah, so I, I that was my main takeaway. The other people were amazing. And here's the thing, dude, and I like it just blew my mind. So Sunday night we have our race meeting, right? And no one knows each other yet. Some people do because it was their repeat year, but not everybody. And everyone's nervous and quiet and not really talking, you know, not you know, saying hi and be like, hey, I'm Chris, well, blah, blah, blah. But like but yeah, no one's like it's just going from that perfect stranger kind of scenario to after six days in the desert, like such a bonded, what like tight group after that. It was it was just such an Absolutely. amazing experience to witness, I guess. How many people uh, started and how many people finished? So 25 people started. Um I believe there were maybe four or five DNFs. And this was apparently a pretty high finisher rate year. Usually the finisher rate was 40%. Mm. Um, But the thing was this, like if you DNF'd on day two, everybody still ran day three, still ran day four, still ran day five. They just, Mm. um, they just like, it just wasn't like an official finish. Um, gotcha gotcha then, but like but yeah. but 25 people i'm trying to understand like the amount of people around you so you did say like there's 25 racers yes and in that kind of like <laughs> exposed nerve atmosphere it's pretty easy to like walk up to someone and be like that was crazy <laughs> what we just did you know as you're getting food together yeah. you know um then you, like you said the chefs the crew the med crew. Yeah. Dude, it was the like... The med crew said the aid stations, yeah. like, the, they all kind of travel with you and, like, were Camped at... with us, just... hung out with us at night, like, <laughs> ran with us on the nine-mile day. A couple of the the uh, med crew ran with us. Or you'd see them on the trail going out for their jogs, um, swam with us. Like, dude, it became such a tight-knit little community of people who all genuinely wanted everybody to succeed and be safe. I mean, I I hope I'm going to share these stories next week when we get to the other racers. But there are stories of like running out of water and like getting dizzy, almost passing out or passing out. Um, I was going to say people... one of the you, you sent me a couple of different pictures. One of the pictures you sent me was there was an IV. Yeah, and <laughs> That was you one know. of our racers on day four. He uh, he got dehydrated or. Um, oversaturated with electrolytes or something like that i'll hear we'll mm-hmm. hear the story next week because i'm going to talk to him but um but yeah and it was just like people giving away their water to other people who didn't have it giving away food and it's like that's essentially your lifeblood in the desert is your water and if you're giving it to someone else you're like literally giving your lifeblood to help somebody mm. else and i'm kind of stealing my friend paul's words there so i hope sorry dude uh because I really want him to tell that story. But like it's all of that is just it's and I don't want to sound like over dramatic or anything like that. But this is the feeling I came away with. It was almost like reestablishing like a faith in humanity 
as I, that's super over dramatic sounding and I apologize, (laughs) (laughs) but like to meet random strangers who, you know, if you're in a grocery store, you might not be making eye contact or anything like that. You might just walk right by them, but to meet them and then like band together and basically like do like, I don't know, live together, suffer together, have joy together, laugh together. And, and just seeing what that does to a group of people is amazing, man. It's like seriously like life changing. I, I think it like, um, without getting too dramatic, I think the experience of running in the desert that I had, (laughs) you can actually experience real fear because you are away from help if you need help. (laughs) And the, the raw nerve aspect of just that in that amount of miles that if you need help, um, it's going to be a long time before you can get it or before someone notices that you are not like with the rest of the crew or whatever it is. I think there's actual danger involved. And so you, you ask someone else to like put your life in their hands and you agree to put their life in yours like out here together. We're all going to try and accomplish this insane goal. And the the desert part of that is that there's no walking to the corner to like a subway <laughs> you know <laughs> no. and either the restaurant or like the transportation to like get you out of there <laughs> you know it's it's there's yeah, n- the only thing that's going to help you is a fellow racer in that moment that comes up behind you if you like you're having some trouble and i'm sure there had to be moments where you felt like you were in trouble or scared or who knows (laughs) well for me too like i felt it was weird because i was nervous going in about if i would be able to recover at night um Mm -hmm. because i've never done anything like this i've never ran 38 miles and then the next day have to run again you know usually if i yeah we talk like just like let's section this off for just a second like i'm just curious if we want to talk about the so some of the anticipation beforehand yeah the fears leading into it. You also like prepped for this in that you used your podcast to interview some pretty yeah. cool people that actually have some knowledge, like between Phil, uh, who raced with you, who by the way, just looks like a beast. He's a beast. Yeah, like for sure. he looks like a beast. Yeah. <laughs> Read the race director. You actually like, get a chance to talk to him beforehand. Yeah. But even with that preparation and hearing that, and um, you still had fears going into it. And I'm assuming everyone's looking at the the big day. Like, was it the forty? Was it forty two yeah. miles? Yeah. So just to break Expedition it down, day. Um, and right. we'll we can go into like the day by day. But day one was twenty, day two was thirty eight, day three was nine, and then you kind of like hang out in the afternoon and rest. Day four was forty one, with like almost it was like seven thousand feet of elevation gain because you climbed up into the mountains at that point, and then day. Four, Five, you had a day off, and then beach day, which uh, one of the race directors, Kyla, it was Reed, Reed and Kyla put it on. Um, Kyla would sneak us beers, which was cool. Thank you, Kyla. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then day six was the marathon day. Um, and so it was a lot, dude. And I was like, I don't know. I've never pushed my body this far to see if it would hold up. So that was really the biggest fear beyond – like, but the fear, I yeah. know, like, for you to go do, tw- just just real quick, so we know 20, 38, 9, 41 plus a climb, uh-huh. 
day off marathon <laughs> so that's the order that's yeah. the order and knowing your preparation your experience whatever like 20 38 9 were you concerned about 20 38 9 I so here's the deal and if anyone's signing up for this race you should understand this day two you got to get through day two day two is a beast um mm. 38 miles it's flat I, I'm not a good flat runner it's flat it's hot it's desolate <laughs> excuse me <laughs> um <coughs> it was probably the Take another sip of your hot toddy, okay, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Now Take it's your voice. now it's called lukewarm toddy because it's not that warm. <laughs> um, it's it's day two is thirty eight miles. The cutoff times were fairly aggressive, um, which we'll get into. Okay, but if you like, that's the day you got to make it through. Um, because then you look forward to nine miles. Nine miles was fun, and then you get to hang out and. And we'll get into that too and just like eat food all day. <laughs> um, and then 41 miles, that day is intimidating for sure. But it is so unbelievably scenic. Like the views are constantly changing. It's constantly the most breathtaking, gorgeous views. Um, at the end, just, just as a little preview, six miles left. You're about to get on this road and go down for six miles. And the aid station workers knew I was a science teacher. And they're like, you got to stop at this bathroom. There's a bathroom at the top. You're about to get on like a road. Stop at that bathroom. Walk 20 feet off the trail. And there are dinosaur footprints in the rocks what? looking over this cliff. And so I was like, oh, what? That's amazing. So I like stopped and like took pictures of my dirty ass legs stepping into dinosaur footprints. Um you know, things you I want to stepped into them. Yeah. So like your foot, it's like T-Rex. Style. I don't know if it's T-Rex. I didn't do my research because I was in the okay. middle of a race, but, uh, let's call it, T-Rex. let's call it T-Rex footprint. They were, uh, they were like that. Like I'm doing, like, I'm showing you Brady, like it's three claws printed into the rocks. Like that's just a small idea of how beautiful this stage is. Um, and wow. then, and then we'll, we'll get into day did the last day. There was like a whole, like, focus that i wanted to achieve um or help mm. help someone achieve along the way that really kind of like drove drove me through that which was super cool but anyways dude you want to get into the to the little clips or do you have any other like pre-race questions um i guess i should say this so with this it's honestly such a well-organized event every night they have camps for you they have tents set up i had the most fun tent of all time um, uh, I had this guy, Paul, just a great dude. I ran with him the first couple of days. He's just so awesome. Such an amazing, I like this is what I'm going to say about every single person in the race, but, <laughs> but I step into the tent day one and we have, uh, Bob, which I'm pretty sure I told you about Bob Brady cause I ran mountain rats with him and he's this, he's from hmm. the Czech Republic and he ran, we ran together for like three hours for mountain rats through like a downpour pushing each other up hills because we're sleeping wow. and he's like the most <laughs> like dude every time he saw a camera he would sprint and every time he got to the finish line it didn't matter dude 38 days 41 days he would freaking sprint through that finish line and he just his spirit dude is so electrifying like and i knew this during mountain rats because i was like dude 
if I wouldn't have ran into Bob during mountain rats, like that would have been a miserable three hours in the rain. But since I was running with him, like we were laughing and joking, pushed each other up the hill and like all this, like, dude, he's energizing. I don't know how to, else to describe him. Um, and then, uh, we had my friend Thomas, who's this Texan guy and like the funniest dude, I'm telling you, like everybody at this camp made it special. And as soon as I walked in that tent and I heard Paul and Thomas joking around, I was like, this is going to be a fun week. Like these guys are, what did you hear when you first walked in though? You're saying when you first walked in, you heard, I heard them just joking around. Like they were just joking around, like already Phil and Thomas were like ripping on each other in a friendly way, which was hilarious. (laughs) Um, and so like that set the mood for camp for everybody, I think, um, especially me. Um, not knowing anybody going in. So, um, so, you know, you have your, your tent set up every night. There's a chef cooking dinner and he was fantastic. The food was excellent and so good. Um, we had a staff of five medical people. So at every aid station, there was always at least one medical person there. Um, there were three doctors and even though Lorenzo said he was a, he was at the at the after race party, he's like, so just to tell you guys, I'm about to start residency. I've only technically been a doctor for like a week now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're like, thanks, man. Uh, and then we had a couple like, I think, and I might be getting this wrong, but they're like um, wilderness medicine EMTs maybe, and they were the coolest dudes. And they this crew would like. T- take people's feet every night, take care of blisters, um, wow. like dehydration, um, wow. anything like that. I didn't realize so. that like you were going to have this level of care going in. Like, Dude. You, you didn't what, know any of this going in. Well, that's, and that's what <laughs> like, I'm saying, man. Like it's just, so were you blown away? You're like, Oh my gosh, I'm, this is, and how helpful was it to have your, your feet taped up? And Dude, like, that's, yeah, it's so helpful. And I just, I was blown away by that. And then the aid station workers were like, the most positive like funny dudes like every aid station we walked into we had to show them certain items from our emergency kit so we would walk in we'd show them our little our little booklet which i'll have to show you mine later dude it's all ripped up and because i it's all weak to getting it out we show them their Uh booklet they sign it and then they're like okay we need to see your compass or okay we need to see your emergency strobe you know um Mm. And at the, at that's, the, that's, I didn't know that was going to, did you know that was going to happen? I did. did it's in, the, it's in the rules. Well, it's in the rules. Reed says it the night before. Um, but you know, and then if you don't have it and I think everyone had all their stuff at all times, but if you don't have it, they take an hour off your time, like as a penalty. Um, yeah. but then the last day we get into the aid station and this guy named John is just like the spirit of camp. He's so great. And he, he's like, we're like, what's our mandatory supply we need to see? And he's like, I just need to see your spirit. And we're all like giving him hugs and like going, <laughs> yeah, like all that stuff. So like just such a positive atmosphere, which you need, man. If if there was a negative atmosphere or you know what I mean, it would be so much harder running in 90 to 100 degree heat up mm-hmm. through the desert. So, so yeah. So that's kind of like, I hope, does that kind of give you an idea of like what camp was like? sort of and then they also always had snacks out so all, anything you could imagine um i i put a post yesterday of like weird shit ultra runners eat <laughs> i didn't see that it was it's like, funny i i really appreciated just like the random mixed nuts covered in salsa like that was, that was I, I felt like that was uh an homage to like bachelor style living at some point Dude, that's <laughs> right 
Um, I didn't try that. That was my friend Jez. And <laughs> like, just cover everything in popcorn and the advice of eat everything. Eat everything. I think that's excellent. Uh, <laughs> the protein bar covered in peanut butter should uh, be censored. It was like a melted <laughs> protein bar covered in peanut butter. Uh, yeah, and then just a giant thing of cheese puffs. So, like, just any snacks you could imagine. <laughs> but the meals were, like, legitimately super delicious. Um so, so yeah, I guess this, I, I hope, I hope that gives you an idea of like what camp was like. It does give me an idea of what camp is like. I think, um, we try to go in order as much as we can, but like, how do you sum up something like this? Obviously like yeah. starting with, like you said, the big takeaways, um, it being just like the bonds that you made, how fun it was, how much joy and enjoyment outweighed any suffering that happened and suffering happened um (laughs) i mean the feeling that (laughs) that hanging out with this group of people restored your faith in humanity is a pretty big uh well and like i said it's just i i've been having weird like we went on a road trip after this with my family and i would run into random people in the grocery store and i'm like dude why not show them your best self because you know deep down inside now if you were thrown into the desert with this person, mm-hmm. you would do your absolute best for this person to survive and succeed. And it was like random people like in a gas station or like someone you'd meet on the street. It would it would be like, I just know like I could form a bond with this person. I don't know. Does that sound <laughs> super weird? I know it sounds a little weird. No, I mean, it just, to be honest. To be honest, it sounds a little bit like some of the the ideas that people come away with from like you know it sounds a little like uh, psychedelic. Yeah, idea. It does but a it, bit. I mean, what I mean, what what a great idea it is that anyone that you meet, you should treat them as just you should be your best self for them and want the best for them because that's when it comes down to those that point of survival in the middle of a crazy stage race. Like that's what you are and that's what you are should be to one another yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it's a really big kind of psychedelic idea and probably only achieve an idea like that as powerfully and actually make it stick by going through something kind of extreme like a, a, over 100 miles in the desert <laughs> over yeah, multiple man. days i mean travis talked about <laughs> the psychedelic experience of these insane endurance events like i i didn't I don't know. It's just, I, I can't say that enough. Like just the forming of a group that is positive, even though we're all kind of, you know, you're uncomfortable for sure. I don't, uncomfortable, borderlining miserable. Um, even though, like I said, the race, well, people put in the race on did such it, an amazing time. But, like, yeah. Let's talk about how you like, okay. So you get there. Yeah, the night before, kind of like pre-race thing. My dad you know, drove me up, so I got to give him a shout out. He drove he drove all the way from Vegas to Denver, saw the girls, did Father's Day breakfast, drove me to Moab. So he's he's a freaking rock star. Out of way, Randy. <laughs> uh, so, but then so you did the pre-race thing that it's the day of. I, I think like something that a lot of people that have ever done a race can identify with, right? Anyone that's ever lined up at the start line of a race can identify with that 
it's that is I literally just swallowed right there. Like it, like it's the anticipation. Yeah. It's a fear. It's the restlessness. It's just like all right, hurry up, hurry up. Let's get this thing going. I'm tired of okay, thinking come about on. it. We're we're all here. We're all. When do we have to wait for this? Yeah. Like you got to like advertise for the other sponsor. Whatever it is, like whatever announcements has to happen, you're just it doesn't matter, and it's almost you're just annoyed, <laughs> um, pit in your stomach, lump in your throat, like to line up at the start line for something like this with 25 other people. Um, is is it the same thing, or is it different? It's it's similar, I would say. It was a lot of the the weeks leading up to it. I was thinking about it so much, and it was on my mind so much that I would just be like, let's just get this thing started. And like, mm-hmm. cause then it's going and then you're just thinking to yourself, well, then your mind can do that. Yeah. That stage of your mind. Your mind, your mind can, isn't exactly. in go. Yet. And you can break <laughs> it down into little sections. Whereas before the race, you're like, Oh my God, this is a whole week. And like, mm-hmm. Oh, like there's, and then there's so many factors. Like, what is it going to be like? What's the trail going to be like? What's camp? What's the other people going to be like, you know? So, and then, in that first stage, so in that, that you have 20 miles that first day, like what were some of the first realizations in like the first, I don't know, let's call it five miles of the day, what did you realize? Like, well, cause yeah. everything has been visualization up to that point. It Pretty was much weird what you expected. Because the first five miles, maybe a little bit more than that, were trails I've already done. Um, they were the same trails from the. Oh, I couldn't the uh uh trail running festival that the same company gemini adventures puts on um and so i knew that going in i was like okay we're gonna run on some of these same trails it's beautiful uh so i was taking in the scenery i started talking with paul um and we ended up running quite a bit of stage one together and you're just on the edge of these cliffs and like the colorado rivers below you but the cliffs are like i don't know how to describe them they're like used almost Mm-hmm. They just keep, I mean, they're, they have been cut out by the Colorado river. And so they're sort of like forming along the border. They have an S they have an S shape to yeah. them. They have a natural S shape that only flowing water yeah. could possibly. And it's, <laughs> it was beautiful, man. And we got to, uh, this bridge. And once we got to the bridge, I was like, okay, this is all brand new territory from here. And, uh, Reed had told us that anytime you get to water you should jump in you know and so we're going gonna go across this bridge and every night before i should say this every night before each stage you have a racer meeting he gives you a map we talk through the map and then uh the winner of the race which was never in question because <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't want to like skip ahead but I, I think maybe my second or third text to you after you said i'm gonna lose service for a while i'm gonna be yeah. out of touch yeah, which I want to like ask about, but uh, at some point I said like, "Who the f is was it Ryan Golden?" Yeah, Ryan is that correct? Did I say that right? He's a beast, man. Like he was in a whole <laughs> yeah. him and uh, so second place was um, Amanda. I think her name Amanda Axe, I believe. Uh, they both were in a league of their own. Like there was no race. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they just took off, but every night. And this is another thing because people – I've told people the same thing where I'm like the peop, everyone supporting each other was so just beautiful to witness. And um, they were like, yeah, but what about first place? Like he was kicking ass. Like he wasn't back there to help anybody with water or anything like that. And I'm like, yeah, he wasn't doing that. But like I'm telling you, dude, he – every single night he sat down by me and would talk me through the map and would just give me so much advice. Like he was – 
he oh, was really? in oh. on it too, man. Like he was in on the like, let's everybody be successful, you know? And I think he could tell before the long day, he could, I was nervous. We went through that meeting and that was the first time like, dude, 41 miles, that's a beast. And it's going to be hot <laughs> tomorrow. And I was nervous. Mm. And I think he could tell, like read that on my face. And he like walked over and sat down. He's like, dude, don't worry. About it. And it was so funny, man. Like every time read the race director would be like, this section is like the worst section in the whole world. Like Reed was like, <laughs> they put him and uh, Kyla. They did good cop, bad cop, you know? Oh, really? And Reed would be like, this section, you're going to witness suffering in this section. But for every section that he said that, Ryan would come up to me afterwards. He's like, dude, that's my favorite section. I love that section. And I was like, this is why you're winning, man, because yeah, you just masochist. have such a positive masochist. mindset. <laughs> no, I was like, you have such a positive mindset that like, you almost get to these parts that are really hard, really difficult, really hot. And you like almost trick yourself into being like, I'm going to dominate this session. Like, this is going to be a blast, mm. you know? Um, <laughs> and so like, I don't, I don't know. So every night he would kind of teach us, but yeah, dude, it was never a race. Like he kicked everybody's like he, he's won it four years previous and he's just is like an amazing runner. I wish I could have seen him run, but I would see him for like one minute every day. <laughs> right. Disappear into the distance. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, so day one, so we get to this river we're supposed to jump in and <laughs> we get down to the one spot where you can jump in. It's just like super thick mud and like flies buzzing in the water. And I'm running with Paul mm. at that point. We're like, dude, do you oh, want to no. like, do do jump in? Like we know we're supposed to jump in, but like, and day one was pretty cloudy. So it wasn't super ridiculously hot at that point. We're like, well, you know. What, what was the temperature? Day one, I would say was like lower 90s. And cloudy though. So here's the thing, like I, in Colorado. No, yeah. Let me just tell you real quick. So like in the in the last week or so, so Chicago had like its version of a heat wave by comparison. It's in silly. And anyone that like is listening to this that competed in Desert Rats. Um <laughs> But no, Chicago had like ninety three, ninety four, ninety two days last couple days. And going outside and running, uh I was running intervals unintentionally because i had to stop <laughs> because it was i was just like i was wiped it, it, the the sun kicked my butt and the humidity kicked my butt which is a little bit of a different thing than you're dealing with but like dude you have that, humidity though yeah but that that heat was intense like yeah. there's no doubt about it i was not uh a condition for it because it was the first chances of running that kind of heat that we've had in a while but it did make me think as I'm running out there and knowing that you're had previously gone out there going, oh, this is, this is crazy. Like it gives a little, just a taste of perspective on how intense it had to be. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, and in the desert since, I don't know, I think humid heat and dry heat. Cause I ran in both. I would much rather run in dry heat. Um, as soon as you get oh, in the really? shade, it cools off. Like it feels like it cools off like 10 degrees as soon as you hit shade. And so that first day, since it was kind of cloudy, it would get shady every so often. You'd be like, Oh, okay. Feels good. Um, but eventually, you know, I made it, <laughs> I made it about four, like four miles to go. And then I actually started like kind of cramping up a bit. Um, and I was like, Oh man, I, that was the only time all week that I really felt dehydrated. Um, just because I think the night before I wasn't in race mode yet. So I wasn't hydrating myself properly 
you know um okay. but anyways i have some clips so do you mind like we can i have two from day one i don't i didn't take my idea was like i'm gonna take clips during this race and the whole podcast will just be my clips and then maybe mm-hmm. i'll interview other racers things like that but like once i got going i'm like i don't really want to do this like i just want to experience this race uh but that being said i did record a couple clips day one two and four so um do you okay. want to do you want to hear me suffering and saying weird stuff? <laughs> is that what this is? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Let's see. No, nah, it's is. a mix of everything, man. It's ultra running in general, dude. You got weird thoughts. You got emotional thoughts. So here we go. All right, we are approaching the second aid station. So like twelve miles into this race, just climbing this beast of a hill. It's very hot. Um. Doing pretty good so far. I'm running with this guy named Paul. Good dude. Looking forward to hanging with everyone in camp. Uh, right now, I'm just trying to remind myself to take it easy, go at a good pace, go slow pace. And, like, you know, the part in Han Solo or in Star Wars where Han Solo is like, don't get cocky, kid. That's what I'm thinking. Because I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good. But I'm like, dude don't assume that this desert isn't going to just beat the shit out of you so so yeah man we'll get back at you so yeah that was kind of the first we climbed this giant hill day one and this guy bill uh who rode his bike he ended up he chose to do the race on his mountain bike and his wife uh, his wife Sue ran the whole. I, I, I did see that there was someone yeah. on a bike. Like, yeah, when I was looking at the, the website, I was like, "What's going on here?" I never understand. I passed him on that hill, and he was like, "He had ran it the year before, rode his bike the year before, and he's like, this is the hill I talk about to people.'" <laughs> <laughs> so it was a beast, man. It was pretty steep, but uh, but yeah, man. Really, I it was kind so of. So you were like, reminding yourself to like you trying to like be humble. Are you feeling pretty good? But you're trying yeah. to be like, this is a long road. This is like you're just trying to be like keep yourself in check at that moment. That's what that recording was. There was a lot of that, a lot, and especially day one is like you feel good still, you know, you're not beat down, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of kind of you're unsure of what the rest of the week holds, and so you're like, dude, take it as slow as you can, without feeling like you're going too slow. I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, so here's here's the last part from day one. All right, so I was like, I don't know, four miles from the end on day one, and I was looking around, and I looked down at my arms, and I pulled up my sleeves, and I saw my tan lines already forming, and I realized that I was, like, disrespecting the desert, I think. <laughs> so, so I just put on arm sleeves, because I was like, you know what, man, do not, like I said in the last, I'm only trying to open this thing and record these these little snippets uh, when I feel like I have something genius to say. So, so yeah, I was like, don't disrespect the desert. Like, you got this, but be smart, you know? Um, I was also thinking, like, do you think running through the desert is recommended by fertility doctors? Because let's just say without getting into too many details, things down there are very hot right now. So I'm pretty sure if like going in the hot tub lowers the count, uh, running through the desert might do the same. But then I remember that Coca Pelli was like a fertility deity. 
So I was like, you know, maybe it's just like, I don't know, maybe it's a wash. But <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, man, it's going good so far. Feeling good? Feeling fine? Second aid station? Like, these people that are volunteering at this race and working this race are just so awesome, super uplifting, and badass. So, uh, loving it so far. All right. So, so okay, so we <laughs> there's my genius comments about the fertility. You, you, you know, you're focused on on respecting the race, respecting the desert. Let's not, yeah. let's not be too cocky. Hey, I got tan lines already, but we're gonna put some arm sleeves on to like cool myself off. And then uh, the desert causes fertility because if the hot tub tells me anything, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, I wanted to record that because I wanted people to understand like the weird stuff you fixate on when you're by yourself and you're not listening to music. Cause so many people run with music, including me sometimes. Um, but when you're completely silent, you get on these weird thought patterns and, and that was a weird one. And I was like, Oh my God. And I was wearing black shorts. Here's the, so day one, no, no <laughs> arm sleeves. I bought arm sleeves. I bought this sweet desert hat. And then day one, yeah. I'm like, you know what? It's only 20 miles. I'll not wear them. And so that was the part where I'm like, dude, you're like, already maybe making mistakes and the worry is these little mistakes might add up into you they're gonna compound and the thing that wasn't an issue i I think we talked about i I think i asked you about during one of our podcasts like did you ever have like a little repetitive thing that's nothing yeah and i I was telling you about how like i i would kind of like kick the inside of my heel with the 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 heel of the inside foot. of my ankle with the yeah. heel of my one foot, right? And yeah. nothing. But then 12 miles later, that nothing is a something. That happens, and, man. It's that, it, dude, it's such a beautiful life reminder of that. It's like, I do well in the sun. I don't, I, I'm okay. I handle the sun pretty well. And like, you have that attitude in the beginning of the week, and then you're on day four and five, you're like, I, I, I can't be in the sun. Yeah. I bet I've had two. There's, too much sun <laughs> there was i was it was dude it's it just teaches you so many great lessons because that happens in life you know you make these little decisions that you think are no big deal like yeah i'll eat half a bag of potato chips today and then you keep doing that and then that adds up into like a big deal um over time and it's the compound effect and it's the same thing out there where you're right if you kick the inner part of your calf every two steps like it's not gonna hurt the first time but by the end of a 30 mile race like you're gonna have you're gonna be bleeding out of your calf you know yeah um yeah and so it's a but also also on like the other hand if you do all the little things correctly which later i'll talk about i would set a timer on my phone and it would just be a reminder i'd be like okay i gotta do these four things and one of the things was just like put chapstick on and the mm. sunscreen and my lips totally got burned and totally got chapped but i was like at least i'm attempting to battle this thing you know yeah um so it's like can, can I, I don't want to jump ahead too too much and i don't want to like um ruin any ahead, surprises dude. but what can, can i ask like do you think you overall do you think you managed your your days well as well as you could yes or do you feel like you you're like oh i mean in hindsight now there were one or two you're like Ooh, I would change this thing knowing what I know now. I would have definitely got more hydrated before day one, but like day one and two were my most, I struggled the most in those days. And then 
days four and five, I felt absolutely amazing. So mm. I, and those were the days I was really, and you'll hear it because I listened to all these today. I was a, I was like laser focused on day four, the long day. And day five was the same, same thing. I just didn't record anything during that. I wondered about that. I mean, one of the first things you say being like one of the values that you have in this is that you only get to focus on one thing and it's this thing. It's accomplishing this goal in whatever way you can, right? As best as you can. But because you multitask and do so many different things and wear so many different hats, I thought, and you're kind of an ultra achiever in that way in all these different areas, you focusing on one thing, I was curious how that would end up. And it sounds like even just like time-wise, your finish time was how did you feel about uh, finish time by the end of it? I felt really good, and we, yeah, we'll, we can talk about that when we get to day five for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I finished with like thirty hours and forty minutes, um, or forty-five minutes, or something like that. And I, I think I got fifth overall and fourth male. So I felt really, like I said, dude. I the last I like my biggest worry was recovery, and I recovered well. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I can do this thing. Let's jump into day two. So day two was 38 miles. Like I said, it was super flat, super desolate. You know, the views weren't, there were no views, but it's kind of what you want in the desert. You want that desert flatness and just being like, oh my God, it's, Mm -hmm. it's so big. And you could see these mountains like way far in the distance, the LaSalle (sighs) mountains. They were so far away. And in your mind, you're like, oh my God, like I'm going to run to those mountains and over them to Moab. <laughs> it's crazy, man. But uh so yeah, let's let's get into day two. I've I have uh four recordings from day two. Some are short, some are long. We're about an hour into day two. Trying to go as slow and steady as possible. And it's already getting hot out. So new strategy. Run in the sunny parts walk anytime there's shit (laughs) so that really was i was honestly just like because it was the morning so the sun's coming up so there's more shade and it was like i'm gonna cherish this shade as long as i have it (laughs) so that was all that one so let's get into the next one just made it through the second aid station on top of this beautiful mesa kind of overlooking everything we've already ran it's unbelievably pretty um i just made an important discovery that if i soak this towel thing i have that stays wet and i put it under my armpits it feels amazing (laughs) um i'm feeling pretty good so far this is the 38 mile day and there's a couple long blacktop sections coming up so we have about four miles till Till lunch, <laughs> the next aid station has our lunch sandwiches. So, step one, make it to lunch. Step two, survive asphalt. Step three, make it to the river. And then step four, we're done. So that's kind of how I'm breaking it down. But uh, all right, coming up to a fork in the road. So I better check, make sure I'm going the right way. See ya. All right, so um. I met this couple, Jeff and Teresa, and they're running together. And they, this was their third year doing the race. And they basically, that day, I ran with them at the beginning. And they, oh, I ran with them throughout the day, actually. But they taught me the cool down strategies. 
And so that towel putting under my armpits felt good. Eventually I put it under my nipples, which felt even better. <laughs> Uh, but Teresa's advice for real though, like really? Yeah, dude, it stayed, it, it would cool me down for probably 40 minutes or so before it completely dried. And the other thing was putting a handful of ice in my hat. Like we couldn't use that much ice because we're in mm-hmm. the desert and they can't afford to just bring bags and bags of ice, but they didn't have ice. So you could get a handful, put it in your hat and that would melt over like 40 minutes. And so that was at least yeah. 40 minutes where I would, my body would cool down. And then, you know, the way the aid stations were split up that day, I think the next aid station was actually pretty long, but, um, but it would keep you cold for at least half, maybe a third of the time as you're running before. And then everything completely dried so fast <laughs> after that. But, <laughs> oh, really? but yeah, so they kind of taught me some cool down strategies because they had done it the year before and the year before the lot, the two previous years, it had gone up to like one, like one ten, one thirteen, maybe higher. That's yeah. So crazy. Yeah, man. <laughs> and then, and then the other thing, I guess in that clip, that was my game plan for that day. And eventually, uh, like I well, said, I, I kind ran, of caught on to that. Like, yeah. it seems to be like, like, what, what am I going to think about? I'm going to, I'm not going to think about, you're not gonna think about 38 miles. You're gonna think about no. I'm not. I'm not thinking about like I got 70 miles after this day. You know, whatever it is. No, yeah. No. I'm gonna think about the next aid station. Exactly. I'm gonna think about lunch. <laughs> I'm gonna think about asphalt. I'm gonna think about the river. Yeah. I'm gonna think about done. Yeah. Like you could hear you broke it up into like. A, a, why would I think about asphalt? I haven't gotten to lunch yet. Exactly. Like, exactly. That's. That's pretty solid. That's yeah. a pretty good – yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah, man. And eventually uh, Paul caught up with me again, and we ended up doing probably the last half of the race together. And that was our strategy. We were just like, okay. I mean, because each aid station, I'm like, what am I going to enjoy at this aid station? Besides, like, you know, the food and the seeing other people kind of thing. But um, it was like, yeah, they're going to have our lunch sandwiches there. I'm like, dude, i got to get <laughs> to that lunch sandwich. And then Paul and I, like – there was a lot of worry about this hot asphalt road and getting overheated, especially on day two. Cause everyone was like, dude, you have to make it through day two. Like this is key. And there was also like a pretty aggressive Everyone, cutoff. That's like that's like the crucible. Yeah, that's a, that, that's the cutoff of like you're here or you're not. Exactly. You got to make it through day two, and then like does it, you said it's an aggressive cutoff. Yeah. But then on th- well, and then day three you get a you get a reprieve. Exactly. You so nine, that's also in the river. back of your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That is a. Mm, there's, a, there's an interesting psychology going on with this race. There is. Dude, you learn so much about yourself and about strategy, really. And um, at the lunch aid station, that was the aggressive cutoff. And Paul and I only beat it by like 45 minutes. We barely passed it. And people got dropped there. People didn't make the cutoff. There's amazing stories from that. There were these two sisters, um, Amy and Mikey. And I'm Mikey, sorry, you, you finished you – finish fourth with men but like you almost didn't make that that cutoff dude it was we only passed i mean that was the closest i've ever been to a cutoff so it was 45 minutes which seems like a long time but i'm like dude that it felt tight i guess um but these two sisters and i'm hoping i can hear their story um amy's a really great writer so she already wrote an article about it but she didn't they didn't make the cutoff in this section and mikey was like, I'm still going to finish today. Like I'm doing every mile of this race. I don't care if it doesn't count. And like, 
oh, man, I don't want to ruin the story just in case. No, no, but, save it. But yeah, for, so like, there's like, just it's just an amazing story of perseverance, like sister love. Like they were so amazing, and they were on a sister trip together. This is what they did to enjoy each other. But like, one of the mm. sisters sending the other out into the desert to like uncertainty um, was very emotional. Um, so, anyways, that. Wow. But it was all about like break this down in little sections and Paul and I got to the blacktop part and it's not like blacktop like it wasn't completely it wasn't blacktop excuse me the asphalt part it was pretty worn down and we got lucky it was breezy during that time but we walked pretty much that whole four miles we're like you know what screw this like we're not gonna get overheated on day two we already made the aggressive cutoff so let's take it easy for a little bit make sure we just don't overwork ourselves in this section because then after that everyone was like you're gonna get through the four miles of asphalt and you're gonna hit this super like dirt dirty dirt it was like (laughs) it was like deep like deeper dirt like loose dirt road um (laughs) and it just goes up and down up and down up and down and uh there's they're like there's a railroad next to it and you're gonna be like this is the never ending railroad. Like you're just going to go along the side of the railroad forever. And they're like, and if you get overheated, go underneath the railroad. Cause there'll be some shade there, but nowhere else there won't be any shade. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. And so we eventually made it through that. And then the big goal after the asphalt and that dirt part um, really was at the last aid station. It was right by the river. You could jump in. And we're like, we're jumping in. Like the whole time we're going, we're like, we're jumping in this river. And <laughs> we finally got there, took our shoes off and jumped in. We're just fully clothed, got everything soaking wet. And we're like, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> Would it just feel like amazing to jump? It had to. It, had yeah, it felt really good. Energized. It had to just like cool you off. Oh, yeah. It had to do like so much. <laughs> it felt so good. And then, but I will say, I almost wish I would have saved the river because our camp was right next to a river too, but I almost wish I would have saved it for the end because then I was ready to be done. And there was like six miles left. I'm like, dude, let's get this date. This was the only day that I was really like, let's get this over with. (laughs) Yeah. And I should say, I should give a shout out to, um, this, uh, racer named Ann who we kept passing Ann. And being like, okay, that's probably the last time. She'd be like, okay, see you guys at the finish line. She's so cheery and stuff. But she uh-huh. was so incredibly focused and just so with with it for her pace. She, We would pass her, and then five minutes later, she'd be just passing us. And we'd be like, we can't catch Ann. I'd be like, we can't. I'd be like, Paul, we can't catch <laughs> Ann. We just can't do it. What's the point of trying? And then we'd pass her. She's just that. She's just captain consistency. Dude, like, just- yeah exactly just steady as she goes that's awesome she was so awesome man and we was like dude we cannot catch her and eventually she like totally kicked our butt and beat us into the into the finish and we're like yep that's what we expected because she just had she was like the energizer bunny she just would not stop you know um so yeah uh and then i I think i recorded a couple things afterwards at camp because dude i also told paul yeah yeah real quick i just just because I know the thing that you talked about that you were like most uh, fearful of when we talked last, like in the last time we talked, like in the lead up for this race, 
was the asphalt. Yeah. And, like, you kind of breezed over it, but, like, how was the experience of running on black – like, I don't know, not blacktop, but, like, asphalt. asphalt yeah. We, in the we, desert, that was such a concern, but was it less than – less of an issue than you thought? It wasn't too bad, and we walked a lot of it because we are just like, dude, let's take this part easy, you know, because okay. because there was a lot of buildup to it. And I could see how that would get super ridiculously hot. But we're just like, you know what? We'll walk like three-fourths of a mile, run a fourth of a mile, walk some more. You know, like we both were very conscious of like we just passed that cutoff time that we needed to beat and we're good now. Okay. And so like – okay. I just wanted to check. I know that was something you were talking about beforehand, but okay. So continue on to like uh, where I didn't mean to interrupt there. No, but man. Uh, that's I just know that that was such a a big concern last time yeah. we talked, and, and it seemed like you know you managed it. Yeah, man. So let me play this. These last two were clips as I was walking to the porta potty, just for people to get a scene <laughs> in their head. Um, oh, we bathed in the river there, which was so great, um, super fun, hilarious as always at camp. But okay. All right, back at camp. Um, I meant to record more today, but uh, it was exhausting. So 38 miles. Um, finished in like nine hours and something. So that was cool. Um, the last eight miles were a beast. It was exactly what you want from the desert. Uh, just desolate and like never ending roads. So, uh, yeah, man, feel pretty good about to go eat some dinner. I guess one, I was trying to think of like, I was trying to remember what happened today, to be honest. And I was like, what happened today? I ran with with Paul for about four hours of it. And I just remember at one point I had this ice bag, like ice in a plastic bag under my hat. And the ice had all melted, and I was like, oh, I really want to open that bag, but I don't want to stop and take my hat off. And then I had a crazy idea where I was like, what if I just stab that bag with my pocket knife, and then it'll, like, burst like a balloon and spray all over. And uh, luckily, sanity clicked in, because I was like, no, dude, you'll just be stabbing yourself in the head. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Uh, th- that was definitely the weirdest. That was the weirdest Thank thought you. I had all week. Look at you over Skype. Like I hope that you realize this is a yeah tragic mistake. I hope I, this story doesn't lead to you stabbing yourself. In I the contemplated head. it seriously for like thirty seconds, not to put me out of my misery, but because I was like, that would feel so good if I just got cold. And then I was like, yeah. So that was definitely the craziest thought I had. But it is true. I, I had a trouble remembering thirty that day, day two. Like I blanked a lot of it. Just my mind went into race mode, and I'm just like, okay. Like, yeah. now looking back, I can re- remember bits and pieces, but, like, a lot of it was just, like, let's just – I just went into robot mode, basically. Uh, but here's a little bit wow. more from day two, and then we'll – You literally, like, had trouble remembering – well, I mean, what is there to remember? Like, it's very – yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's interesting. I also just remembered um, – I called three different drinks liquid of the gods today or elixir of the gods. So coffee. I woke up and I felt didn't feel the best. And I drank like six cups of coffee and I felt amazing. Um, Ice cold water, elixir of the gods. And then uh, 
What was the other one? Ginger ale, which is the elixir of the gods. Un, like, of course, that's like, you can't even challenge that fact. Um, but yeah, I also learned I have this towel that's pretty cool. It stays cool the whole time. Put that on your armpits, put it on the nipples. Feel amazing. All right, guys, we're going to go eat some burgers and I'll get back at you tomorrow for the nine mile day. All right. And I never ended up recording the nine mile day, but, um, but yeah, but, man. you know, two out, two out of three ain't bad coffee and ice cold water. Ginger Correct. ale, dude. Ginger ale. What? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I, dude, I will say yeah, like, get, get, take your hot toddy and get out of here with your ginger ale. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what my grandpa used to drink was ginger ale with whiskey. Right. I'm pretty sure. But, um, so and my grandpa likes seven up. And old fashioned mix. <laughs> I gotta do it, dude. Um, so yeah, man, that was pretty much day two. Day three, just real quick, I want to kind of breeze through it because I don't want this to be like a super long okay. podcast. But day I mean, three, is, I mean, good luck. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Day three is when I gained my confidence about recovery because I was like, oh, dude, I just ran thirty eight miles. I didn't feel that good, and I woke up day three and I drank like seven cups of coffee and. That stuff will heal your body and your mind and your soul. <laughs> like I just felt amazing. By the, and by the way, six cups though. You said six. That is a significant. There were tiny a, cups. Tiny cups, just to say. Okay, but, I'm just saying. Okay, but, uh, that's a jolt. <laughs> yeah. So day three, we ran out of camp, back up the road. We came come down day two and got back on the Cocopelli, and we had nine miles. And I ran with Thomas, uh, who's the guy from Texas, and. Uh, and Scott, who was this kid, 25, he had he was going so he was from Florida and he was going so fast down the hills and I'm like, dude, are you from Florida or like you don't even have hills? <laughs> but he would sprint <laughs> down the hills and I was like, what is your deal? And he's like, dude, I just started drinking coffee two days ago and I'm like, oh okay, I get it. I'm like, you're gonna be hooked. You are in big trouble, dude. <laughs> oh my god, is this is Scott? Did he just become Sonic the Hedgehog? Basically. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You give him coffee and just yeah. rev him up. So all three of us, like, we ran that stage hard, man. We got, like, an hour 30 for nine miles on that stage. So we were running pretty hard. And I'm like, dude, my legs are back. It felt good to sprint after the previous day of walking and hiking quite a bit. Oh, weird. So, like, it's to me, that motion. sounds horrendous. Dude, like, to, to actually yeah. have that, that rev up after those miles, that sounds horrendous but that actually like, loosened up your gait and yeah, like it did stretched you out and like the speed helped it that's interesting that, that broke yeah. it up and then huh. being done by like 10 30 or whatever it's, i think it was probably real 10, recovery real, real recovery we moved our camp um towards this place called the dewey bridge it's beautiful camp like unbelievably beautiful rock formations right next to the colorado river so we got a like cool off in there take a bath but i was talking to ryan the the race leader and he was like here's the strategy on these days this day and the beach day you just want to eat as much as you can force in he's like always be eating non-stop because you burn so many calories at this point like always be eating and stay in the shade because he's like anytime you go in the sun your body is stress is being stressed and so I was like, dude, this guy's won it like so many times. Like I'm going to follow it. <laughs> Literally, I'm just like looking at him from across camp. I'm like, what's Ryan doing? I'm like, oh, well, God. No, I, mean, I mean, honestly, at some point you got to be like, okay, 
you got a thing or two that you know like anytime he would give you advice i'm sure that would be like what am i stupid they should probably follow that advice exactly um i mean it's interesting that you gotta be iron sharpens iron right yeah like that's that's cool you gotta be around someone that's that talented and just (laughs) and and just off the cuff to tell you like here's like four really super valuable things exactly. you wouldn't know what it was. Like, well, exactly. And I was, I went into the weekend cause I learned a whole bunch from Thomas too on day four. And I was like, I'm just going to be a sponge and I'm just going to like, whatever people tell me to do, I'm going to try to do that and see how it goes. And if, if it doesn't work, then I'll leave it behind, but I'm at least going to try it. And everything, obviously everyone's very experienced. So everything worked really well. Um, the other thing about day three, you should know is I s- laid on a tarp, we became t- blue tarp people. We just <laughs> laid on this tarp in the shade for okay. like six hours. And I was like, this was the most amazing time. Like more people would join the tarp. We're like, join us, join the tarp. <laughs> and then we're like, we're becoming dangerously close to being like people who live down by the river. Um, no, this is your 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 commune. Exactly. Your, there was a little like, bit of a cult. Join dude, us. <laughs> I found the secret spot because there was a little in, indentation in the ground right where my butt went. And yeah. I laid there for six hours. And I was like, when was the last time I just stayed in one spot with nothing to do for six hours? And it was so relaxing and just <laughs> amazing. Like... I keep your joking. face. You you look like you're euphoric. I'm trying to relive it. <laughs> you look you feel like the memory of sitting still for six hours. For you you can't sit still. I've hung out with you many times in my entire life. You sit down and we're like, oh yeah. And even if it's your idea, like let's watch this thing. Thirty seconds in, you're like, yeah, we should probably like, get up and do something, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, I'll like stretch or like do like a squat yeah. to like stretch you have, like, out. Active rest, even when you're in full rest <laughs> relaxation, you're always like stretching some tendon. I think at know? one point you're like you're you got annoyed and you're like, dude, you always look like you're about ready to just sprint off somewhere. I know you look like you're getting warmed up to just run through a wall all the time. Like at any at any moment, you have to fight crime. You just <laughs> up. Yeah, so it felt really good just to lay there, and it was so relaxing. I keep joking that I'm going to just lay a blue tarp out in my yard and then take a picture of that and send it to everybody. Again, it sounds like this is this is a, a nice like realization of, oh, how good this feels and how rare this is. Um, so, yeah, man, so like I said earlier, we do our meeting about stage four, and um, I was a bit intimidated Uh and stage four ended up being. And stage four is a big day. So, man, you get nine mile day. You don't even get a day off. No, stage but it, like I said, miles, it loosened 7, me up. 7,000 feet elevation. God damn. It loosened me up almost. So, do you want to get into stage four? Um, yeah. I, I will say there, there was. Stage four, I had a purpose and I had a why that I was running for. And uh, there was a bit of like emotion at one part. So. Um, it's probably the most open I'll probably, I probably have ever been on the podcast. So, but I, I've decided to play it anyways, cause I think it's important for, it's important to share that aspect. Cause I know a lot of people were going through similar things. And, uh, if you're listening out there, like people probably are going through similar things. So anywho, that doesn't come till later. So here's day four. All right. Four miles into stage four which is the expedition day, 41 miles. Um, 
I was a bit nervous last night. It's a lot of uphill. It's just going to be a long day. I'm trying to remind myself just to take my time and that just reminding myself it's going to be a long day. So I'm power hiking uphills, running downhills. That's the strategy. And here comes the downhill. So we'll get back at you. So that was just me copying Thomas's strategy, basically. He's like, dude, walk any uphill. He's like, and it would like go up a little bit, like barely anything. And he's, he started walking. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, he, he knows what he's doing. He, he did Bigfoot 200 last year. I'm like, okay, he survived mm-hmm. Bigfoot. Like I, I will do whatever he says. And so that was the strategy really there was like, and there was so much elevation that it was like, any time it's uphill, we're walking. So, by the way, like, if there's anything that you, you should do as a retrospective on this entire experience, it's just a bulleted list of those insanely practical yeah. rules or pieces of advice that you learned along the way of like, here's how you cool yourself off. Exactly. You put it here and here, it is super impactful. Yeah. Like, well, and you I walk uphills. That's a rule for, you know, that's insanely practical helpful advice and i realized that's what ann was doing on day two i'm like she was doing that strategy and we would run when we felt like running but she was like i'm walking every uphill and i'm running every downhill it doesn't matter how i feel i'm going to run the downhill and Mm -hmm. that like pays off really well um so here's the next Mm. kind of part so that was the beginning of day four about seven miles in now um this is the longest Part of the race between aid stations i think there's 10 miles um it's gonna get probably be the hottest day today luckily we're going up into the mountains so hopefully it gets colder um but it's gonna be hot this morning so i guess when i was talking about earlier just being conscious reminding myself that this is gonna be a long day is more like focusing on the controllables. Um, there are some things I'm, ne- I'm not gonna be able to change about the race. The distance, the elevation, or anything like that. I, they're uncontrollable, the weather, the heat. Uh, but I can control my response to those things with hydration, electrolytes, food, pace. So really what makes what would make a race suck isn't necessarily the heat or the mileage, but if you don't respond to those obstacles in the correct way. So yeah, man, it's going to be fun. It's already beautiful. So prettiest part of the course so far. All right, we'll get back at you. All right. So yeah, man, that was, that's the biggest lesson I think ultra running can, well, at least has at least alternating has taught me is there's only certain you can you can't control the uncontrollables um but you can control how you respond to them and so that was a lot of that in the morning was conscious reminders of dude it's going to be a long day no matter what like it's going to be a long day for everybody and i even saw i saw my friend rachel at one point under she was sitting under a tree and i went up to her and i said <laughs> I said that to her. I was like, yeah, man, it's going to be a long day. And I was like, and then the rest of the race, I thought about that. I'm like, oh my God, I shouldn't have said that to her. Like, I hope she didn't take it in a bad way. Like, I didn't mean it like it's going to be a long day for her. I meant it like 
it's gonna be a long day for all of us like we need yeah. to keep that in mind but i didn't say it but anyway she was like no dude i didn't think that at all and i was like oh no God. i know you, yeah you can you can spiral into like how could that have been perceived exactly what if, what if that sent her into a spot yeah no, you can go forever into some yeah and, crazy down one but no, the, the that's interesting the like my responses are the only things that i can control like what are my controllables yeah and it's in the face of these adverse situations or like the weather the heat the moisture the distance the elevation whatever like you can't control any of those things but uh, there's there's a couple different like life events that kind of like strip you down to just what can i do next um to like respond and those moments are usually involves some serious tragedy but like you kind of get a like taste of this thought process of like what can i control and and not to get too heavy or anything but that is it's a weird spot in just the human experience like get into that place in life (laughs) and to get into like what can i control is just it's crisis management to a degree yeah well and i almost think in like really hard endurance events are training because those events those things in life those tragedies it's unfortunate but it's going to happen to it's going to happen to all of us at some point there's going to be something that's unexpected that occurs and doing like these crazy hard things on purpose gets you prepared gets your mindset ready for those moments nothing's going to prepare you for those moments like nothing is but at least you're going to be like okay i've learned some lessons in the past doing these events that i can at least attempt to uh, apply them right now yes um and so that was like the biggest thing all day is like dude if if the heat gets me it's not the heat's fault it's my fault because i mismanaged it um if i become okay so just to give you an idea when I recorded that, this was in these two sections, a lot of climbing, really hot, no wind. It's 12 miles between aid stations. So there's one section, 12 miles between aid stations that takes you into this place called Onion Creek. Imagine Westworld. I'm pretty sure it's where <laughs> Westworld is filmed. <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> yes, I was looking for some kind of comparison. Yeah, to so, that, yes, you're right. That's, that's pretty much what people should And picture. Onion Creek yes. ends in this valley and it's super hot. It's 12 miles to get there. When you're hiking it, a lot of it, when you're hiking most of it, 12 miles can take you three to four hours, you know? Um, and then then you get there, you refill, and then the next aid station is another 12 miles away. So this was the big part of the race. It's like, dude, if something goes wrong during either of these 12 miles, like you're going to be in big trouble. Um, they're very remote. That- that's that's a significant. So yeah. these, I was I was like apprehensive. I was like, these are going to be the hardest parts of the race, and like just being conscious of that and be like, if the heat's not going to get you, the distance isn't going to get you unless you mess it up yourself. So here's another part from it. Still going to the Onion Creek Aid Station, and I think these flies think I'm. Uh, like a corpse or something because <laughs> uh, that's how I smell um, I, there's a split in this road so 
gotta check out my GPS, make sure I choose choose wisely because it would really suck to put extra miles on today. We're going up this hill. It's the most beautiful view of the desert that I've ever seen. And uh, wide open, you can see for miles and miles, we're starting to get up into it. I know we go much, much higher today. I think we go to 8,000 feet at one point or something like that, if not higher. So it's gonna be a good day. Just trying to maintain, be patient. Um, trying to practice patience on a lot of stuff, especially this race and not trying to rush it. So, um, I'm also saving the headphones and, uh, getting a sandwich at the next aid station, getting lunch. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I haven't listened to headphones this whole time yet, this whole week. I'm going to put them on because I believe the next aid stations are also very far apart. So I'm gonna pop that in, keep on rocking in the free world, get this, get it going, so. Wow. So, so yeah, you man. You saved the headphones for that point in the race? They I didn't even far. I didn't even put them in until the next, I didn't put them in until like mile 32, probably. It, you know what's so funny? Like if you talk to anyone that's just like amateur, novice, part-time runner, and you even throw out the idea of, of well, when's the last... You talk to someone like, do you run? Yeah, I run a little bit. Like, how often do you run? Eh, a couple times a week. Okay. So when's the last time you ran without headphones? And it's funny to watch someone get scared and go like, oh, no, 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 I would never... I can't possibly... It's actually like, it scares a lot of, like, amateur runners to, like, throw... Get the headphones out of your ears. Yeah. Um, that's a long ways to go, man. It is, but your you're talking to people... I was very purposeful about about taking this time to myself in silence, especially this day. The other days I ran with people pretty much the whole time. This day I was really trying to purposely be by myself because um, I wanted to figure – I wanted to take some time to process some things. Um, and when I say I turned around and the view of the desert at that point was so – pretty and the whole day, day was pretty but that especially because you turned around and you just saw this flat wasteland that you had just gone through on your own two feet <laughs> and it was breathtaking um wow all right so let's get into this one all right still not to the second aid station um not sure what mile i'm at at this point it doesn't matter i'm just gonna keep going um just stopped and did some Self-maintenance, I set my alarm for 45 minutes, took an electrolyte, put on some lip balm with sunscreen, drank a bunch of water, ate some food. Feeling pretty good so far. Um, we got to the top of this beautiful, like the best view of the trip so far. And uh, I got a bit emotional. Um, I'm running today. I have names, some names written on my hands. I got my daughters and my wife. Um, and I, I lost someone a couple years ago, uh, seven years ago. And I've been thinking about her a lot this morning because there's a lot of, whenever I 
think about it, there's a lot of negative emotions with anger and grief and all that stuff that comes with loss. And I'm just, I'm trying to, uh, to change that paradigm in my mind and think about all the beautiful, wonderful moments when she was around. Um, and I got up to the top of that and I was thinking, how many years has it been? And I realized it was 2011, so seven years ago. And my number just randomly assigned for this race is number seven. And I just, uh, I wish I could have shown her that view. And uh, and I was angry, and then I realized, what if, what if she's with me right now, and she can see that view whenever she wants, and uh, it made me happy. So, um, it was a beautiful moment. This is the best moment of the race so far. I can't cry. <laughs> Or I'll get dehydrated. <laughs> um, Alright, so I'm going to power my way through this aid station. So yeah, man. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that was... That was the... Definitely. There's I, a lot going on there, man. There is, There's... and I, I can tell right now my heart's like beating out of my chest. I'm, I haven't talked about this on the podcast. And I've debated actually quite a bit with myself as to whether or not to talk about it. Um, but I think I know, I know for a fact there were people in the race going through the same thing and, uh, people who are probably struggling with their own loss. Um, and any loss is hard, man. Any loss. I don't, it's, it's all hard, but, uh, uh, so just, you know, we don't have to go into this a whole bunch, but in 2011, um, Lindsay, and I lost uh, our our baby daughter. Um, Lindsay was like seven months pregnant. Um, one day, couldn't find the heartbeat, uh, and she was stillbirthed on Christmas Eve. So we gotta be with her Christmas Eve. Um, but it was such a short moment, man. And uh, it's it's <clears throat> when you're grieving with somebody you're processing it on, you know, in your own way. But there's also a part of you that's like, I need to support this person. I was so worried about Lindsay that, I mean, I did, there were moments of processing and things like that, but like, you're so worried about your partner and you want them to feel okay, that it's like, you don't take the time. And I'm sure Lindsay's the same exact way with me, but it's like, you don't, take that time truly to yourself to really try to, I guess, process. And I don't want to say heal because dude, you don't heal from it. You just, you're, there's always going to feel like there's a part of you missing. Um, it's going to feel like you're, it was the weird, like your road went into a completely different direction. Um, and you think about that path that you could be on right now. <clears throat> um, you know, if she would have been alive and, uh, it's hard, dude, it's, it's really hard to struggle with. Um, 
I don't even remember where I was going with that. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, this is where I was going. Well, I think I think the. Well, go ahead. I so every time I've I've, it's like after that, you know, you'd think about her and you think about her every single day, like every day, you know, sometimes longer than other times, but she's in your mind every single day, and I was. I've been like kind of ashamed of myself because I haven't talked about her that much. Um, and when I think about her, I just get really angry or really sad. And I remember everything horrible that was involved in that experience, like everything as, as if it's just happening right now. And I was like, that's, that's so disrespectful to her and her memory. Like don't, you don't want to just solely fixate on these negative on the 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 sadness the grief the falling on the floor and just like a like a just howling like you don't just just solely focusing on those memories is not a way to honor her and so going into the the long day i was like today is going to be the day i change that and today is going to be the day that I changed my thoughts around her and her name's Dylan. So it's today's the day I changed my thoughts around Dylan. And I consciously was focused on letting those memories, I don't want to say letting them go because they'll always be with me, the memories of, of everything that went into that that was just absolutely devastating and heartbreaking. Um, you don't let those go. But I was like, I need to start focusing on all the moments she made me so unbelievably happy. Like, like when she waved at me in the ultrasound or when I got a holder and watch Christmas movies with her. And like, those were the moments I'm like, I want to remember those. I don't want to remember. I don't want every time I think about her or, you know, hear the name Dylan. I don't want those to, I don't want it to be sad. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be angry about it anymore. And I know those are going to happen in the future. I know I like, this didn't magically heal me or anything like that, obviously. But mm -hmm. it did start kind of, it felt like it started a pathway in my brain. It's like, I'm going to remember her and I'm going to smile about it. And honor her in that way because the other way is not honoring her memory does that make sense mm. so that was heavy yeah it does. i just I, threw that at you dude i didn't no. prepare you for that i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> well um no i mean i we've been friends for a long time so i'm i'm aware of like some of those trials that you had to go through but the it's interesting we talk about like the raw nerves that you experience when you do an endurance race like that. And like, that's a, it's a common thing that comes up and there's different ways that you talk about it, but there's really no way to describe, um, how raw those nerves can get and what can come up, especially like you said, without headphones and there's no distracting. You're just kind of like taking in all those thoughts at once. So I'm sure throughout that race and then maybe at a very specific time and place there, like, those thoughts and memories came up and if part of it part of that thought process was 
hey, when these things that we look we, we, we look back on, it's like a thing that we avoid. Yeah. <laughs> but and it's not a thing that we like to look back on. You avoid or you distract yourself. Or, or happiness. Yeah. Um, but but you can also carve out pathways in your mind that says like but there was happiness in those moments and like there were there were pleasant thoughts when we look back on these things if we if we if we choose to look at them that way um and so it sounds like you were going through some of those thoughts <laughs> out yeah. there which is ooh, a, a, a wild place to be but i wanted um, to, i wanted to do it to intentionally like i intentionally wanted like no distractions today this is you're going to this is on like this is what you're going to do to honor her and like this is going to power you through this and this is what you're going to focus on because you're right dude like you'll think about someone you lost and it it's it's a loss you didn't want it you know you didn't want to lose them so it's like you instantly are like i don't want to think about this right now i want to distract myself i want to um I want to be angry because I'm like pissed off that I lost this person who shouldn't have been lost. And, and then eventually you're like, I don't like being mad. I don't like being angry. I don't like being sad. So like, I guess I'm just going to avoid thinking about her altogether. And that's not healthy either. Um, and so it was just really trying to, and like I said, it's a constant process. Like, you know, healing you don't always, you don't ever heal all the way from any sort of loss. And if you're out there like listening to this, it doesn't matter what the loss is. It doesn't like any loss is freaking horrible, man. It could be your grandma who's like a hundred years old, you know, but like, that's terrible too. Cause you always were just like, oh, I thought grandma was always going to be around, you know? So like everyone's losses, their own personal thing, but it's, it's not, it it's hard no matter what and you're never going to heal from it all the way, but you can at least, you can at least not shut it out. And the, the impermanence of human life is going to be a kind of a shock throughout our lives forever. And like, it's, it's not a new story. It's not some of that. Sometimes like this thought gives me comfort when you're dealing with just like, these bigger human questions and these bigger human dramas that occur every day all over the place is that this is not an original story. That this no. story has been lived by so many people so many times before that we're going to make it through because so many other people did as well. Yeah. But it doesn't make it any less more, it, 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 any less trying or difficult or less tragic yeah. than and it's I, been done before. I know it's weird to be like, I'm going to run through the freaking desert to heat like try to heal <laughs> you know but i know people i know people were doing the same thing um you know we're all it's it just allows you that break from society to really consider things that you would normally avoid i guess does that make sense and now i'm so thankful i'm so unbelievably blessed that to do this event because it gave me, it gave me honestly just the gift of time and intention to really like kind of internalize this new thought of like, Hey, I'm going to be happy when I think about her because that's what she would have wanted. So, Mm. 
But yeah. I, well, I think I think it's interesting. You kind of like by happenstance, maybe not by happenstance. I don't know what to attribute it to, but somewhere along the line, you taking up endurance sports have come across that like one of the byproducts of these things is like confronting thoughts that you've just said no to or just pretended weren't there for yeah. so long. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, <laughs> talk to any therapist. It's like that's part of that's part of what that is. Like, there's no easy. There, there's so many parts about these endurance sports. The physicality of it alone, just like the mileage alone, is what most people will see and look at. But the thing that over and over again keeps coming back is the mental work that occurs through these these activities is just incredible. Yeah, uh, what you are forced to encounter <laughs> when you're struggling like oh, that. Yeah, man. And all of a sudden you're going to have to like we're going to no running away. <laughs> we got to confront these now right here. And I say we, this collective we. Yeah. In the, in the moment it's just you in the desert by yourself. So yeah. like it's... there's no lying to yourself in those situations. It's just <laughs> What do we want to do next? Yeah, man. Um, and you know what happened? That was the absolute best I felt all day. Once I like broke through that mental, like once I had that realization, I felt so unbelievably good the rest of the day and the rest of the race. Like once mm. I had that realization, I was just like, oh, like I could just think positively about this. It was so stupid. It's such a small realization. But I'm like, I could just think positively. And then I started practicing it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to remember this moment and this one and this one. And, you know, I, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is so much better, so much better. And then the rest of the day, it was this beautiful course. And I was like, that was who I was dedicating that day to. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, I just... Like, I just, I don't know. I just felt, I'm so, like I said, I'm so thankful that I was able to do this race for that reason. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I guess. That's incredible, man. Yeah. I know that's so, kind of like the biggest. I know. Like, you don't want to take the, the wind out of it. But There's like no wind out of the sail. And so, part of that, honestly, was like, I hadn't talked about on the podcast because I was like, dude, I don't want to, like, use her story as, like, whatever, like, for the pod. You know what I mean? But then I was thinking, I'm like, dude, if it can help anybody, if it can help anyone at all going through their own thing, like, it's almost like you're holding this gift back. If that story can help anyone else push through their own situation, like, you have to share it. You have to. And I felt called to share it in in that moment. And then really, like, over the last week and a half and I was like do I share that part on the podcast that's like me at my most raw talking about the the hardest thing I've ever had and had happened in my life so and then I was like dude you ask people to do that on your podcast about their own lives so you know <laughs> but but yeah man so uh I guess day four, it felt great. I, I saying, came into camp and everyone's like, you look, you look like you're so happy. I'm like, I am so happy. This is amazing. That was a beautiful course. And I hit, uh, just like I ended up putting headphones in eventually. I made this whole playlist and just two things from that. I hit, as soon as I hit, there was a highway that goes downhill for six miles to camp. And like the headphone, like iPod 
deities all came together. And as soon as I hit that highway, I heard, and it was highway to hell. I'm like, yeah, all right, let's do this. Um, and I put, and so like, just, this is so like, this would be so cheesy in a movie, but it actually happened. I, I am rounding the corner into camp where I see everything at, and my daughter Zoe's just to like bring it full circle. My daughter Zoe's favorite song, baby shark came on. I had intentionally <laughs> put it on my playlist. So I'm like, this is make me smile shark? about Zoe. <laughs> Um, she dances to it. It goes, it goes baby shark, do 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 do, baby shark, do do, and she like dances to it and stuff, and <laughs> she screams at us to be like, baby shark, like turn it on, um, and it came on right as I finished, and like, dude, I just felt so amazing the rest of that day, um, and then let's, I guess, just to kind of like power through the rest because. You guys, if you're listening this far into the podcast, this is like the longest one so far. Um, you're going to hear some of these stories from the other racers about all these days. And like I said, I'm excited because I'm like, what did everyone else go through? Like, I went through this crazy thing. This is like an hour and a half long story. Like, what did everyone else go through at this point? <laughs> um, and so the last night at camp, um, Jeff came up to us. Jeff uh, was him and his wife were running it. Um, and he, he was like, okay, here's the deal. Like he was looking at the times and he was like, there's an under 30 minute or a 30 hour prize. So if you get under 30 hours, you get this special thing. And mm. he was talking to me and, and Thomas and Thomas was ahead of me in the placing. So he's like, Thomas, you have to get under five hours and Chris, you have to get under four hours to get under 30. And in my mind right away, I'm like, dude, there's no way I can run a th- four hour marathon at the end of this thing. <laughs> And it's like a lot of climbing for day, for day five, you know, uh, and it's a complete marathon. But Thomas, I'm like, dude, Thomas can totally do this. He's like, he can destroy this thing. And so I just like day five, I was running and, you know, you end up falling in the pace of similar people towards you. So I follow in like Thomas's pace. And I was like, dude, we have to get him through. Like we have, he has to get under five hours. Like, he has yeah. to like it'll be so amazing he's like he totally deserves it he's the best dude ever and so i was like okay like i was trying to like i wasn't running with him or like pacing or anything like that like i wasn't definitely not doing that but i was definitely like conscious of like when i went into aid stations i'm like get thomas like get him out of here like and we like sort of teamed up on that day <laughs> and it was so Who, who's who's we is it your tent is it paul bob so me Bill, and, oh so, God, who's so there well so at that point it was uh jay lee who got third and he's just this awesome dude um Damn. he was out there with his friend katra and he's like aid he's crewed people on races across america to set records and like just a cool dude but like this was also the first like really big thing he's done i think but anyway so he was ahead of thomas i was behind thomas we were both and it was dude it was so funny because thomas was just like in the zone like folk this dude gets race focused goofiest hilarious nicest dude ever in camp and everything race focused though like he had his well, he just turned into a terminator he had like he had an objective to terminator complete. with a cowboy got... hat man and so he's rocking Fuck, this giant yeah. cowboy hat. <laughs> terminator like, cowboy hat's he's a like, great he's teaching me modern. how to pour sunscreen on my legs he's like dude you just spray it all you just spray it on your legs and he's like it accumulates dirt and that's how you block the sun i'm like dude you're a genius man and he's like <laughs> and then you buy a 20 dollar 
gas station. He's like, you buy a $20 gas station cowboy hat. All gas stations have them out here. And I'm like, dude, I'm doing this from now on. Like whatever you say I'm doing. Um, but he's so focused and he's passing people because the like the like faster half of the group, we always went like a half an hour um, after everyone else. And so we're passing people along the way and everyone's like, go Thomas, like reaching out for high fives and he just zooms by them and they're like looking around mm-hmm. and then I'd come up right behind him like, hey, don't worry. Like he's just focused. He's just really focused right <laughs> oh, now. Like I was totally like, just... apologizing for the focus guy. Like, I'll see you guys later. I got to catch up now. Because <laughs> they're like, is he okay? And I'm like, no, he's fine. Like he'll give you hugs after the race and stuff, I bet. But like he's just really wow. focused on getting this under five hours. And you really should like you should think about a different another career in like PR public yeah, relations. Yeah. And so he has, he'll clean up everyone else. <laughs> we go out on this out and back. This is kinda like the last story and then we'll wrap up the show. But we go on this out and back and you have to grab a pebble and the pebble has a number on it. So it's it oh. all said number one. There were tiny pebbles. You put it in your bag. That's what you showed at the last, the very last aid station to prove right. that you went the two and a half miles out, you know, to prove that you got to the turnaround spot. And we get there, and there's all these pebbles, and then there's these two gigantic boulders, and one mm-hmm. of them has a little stick figure with a cowboy hat, and it says Thomas, and then one of them what? has Bob, and it's just like a mean trick. Like it's, it's a joke, dude. It's a joke to be like, okay, everyone get these small boulders, but Bob and Thomas, you guys got to carry these giant rocks back. And it's a joke. I know it's a joke. Thomas knows it's a joke. Everyone knows it's a joke. Like the aid station, they're not looking for it, you know? And he's like, and I'm sure he can tell this way better, but he's just like, I got a plan. And I'm like, dude, you know, it's a joke, right? Like you don't have to carry this thing. And he's like, I got a plan. And he's like, they won't expect us to team up. And he picks up this rock and throws it on the ground. And it breaks into three pieces. And oh, my God. This is like straight out of uh, the show Survivor. Okay. <laughs> and he's just, he's just like, will you help me? And I just like turn my bag. And he just shoves this rock in there. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Like uh, one of the thirds. I only took one of the thirds. He took the other two thirds. But one of the thirds in my backpack, the other two thirds in his. We just start cruising down this trail because it's all downhill to the aid station. We get to the aid station. They're like, oh, we need to see your book and your rock. And we're like, okay. And I get my tiny rock out. He gets. He brought a tiny rock too. And he's like, oh. And I also got this one. And he gets it out and lays it on the ground. Like, oh my god, you brought that back. Like we were joking. <laughs> and oh they god, ended up awesome. in the. How after, far did you guys carry that? How two far? and a half miles. Yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, and at the after race party, they ended up super gluing this giant rock back together. <laughs> and. Uh, and giving it to Thomas as a reward and like a memento. Oh yeah. And and then That's there was an awesome trophy. There was a tiny piece missing in the middle that they couldn't find and uh our friend Rachel was just like, "Oh my god, I found that piece." And I thought it was like ancient hieroglyphics written on it and I picked it up. I'm like, "Oh my god, look at this thing. It's ancient hieroglyphics." And then she's like, then I looked at it and noticed it was Sharpie. And I'm like, oh, this is just stupid rock. And like, throw it away. I'm like, oh, <laughs> man, you didn't keep that. But um, so I finished this well, next, race. Next year, maybe you can find it. <laughs> yeah. So then you finish six miles downhill. It's this view of Moab going in. <clears throat> and Moab's beautiful. You guys should all go there. It's amazing. There's so much to do. I want to go back. And 
there's this view of Moab in the distance and you can see like canyon lands, arches, everything. And I'm just following, I'm just running, I'm chasing this cowboy into Moab. And I'm just seeing his cowboy hat going up and down with this scenery just spread in front of me, this like Western scenery. And I was like, this is how I wanted to end this race. Like I wanted to end it by chasing a cowboy through the desert. <laughs> and that's how we ended it. We ended it together. Uh, he ran through. He gave Lindsay the biggest hug. She got a good video of that. And uh, the girls, Lindsay and the girls were waiting for me. And that day I was really like, the I chose to think about um, the girls mostly. Um, that was the day I was like, Harper and Zoe, this is like, you know, in honor of you. And then the sprint day was Lindsay, which really powered me through. Um, mm. So, so yeah, man, perfect ending to a perfect race. It was so good. Um, and you know, I just, I realized this today to kind of like conclude it. And I was like, the days I felt the best, the first, the last three days were the days I was really focused on a why, like, why was I running this yeah. event? And it was because I was running for something bigger than me. Like the first few, yeah. two days, I felt like I was almost running in apprehension or fear because I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I've kind of felt, sure. I felt that. And then the last three days, I was like, I'm going to honor Lindsay, Dylan, Zoe and Harper. And like, those are purpose driven days right there. And, and forget Thomas. Under, wise. Those yeah. are, those are, those are full. Exactly. three-dimensional big important wise exactly man what mean something exactly if they, if, they, if they didn't mean as much or who knows see like and that extreme focus of like i hope thomas gets under five hours and he did he got i think we ran the marathon like f four and a half hours so uh he totally got it and it was so cool i was so happy for him <laughs> um, it was awesome, dude. And then the finish line at the end, we're all making tunnels, high fiving everyone, getting sprayed with champagne coming in. I mean, ultra ultra race finishes aren't like road race well, finishes. Like, there's only like. Tom, by the way, Thomas Mullins, four forty six, stage five. He's just, a beast, dude. Yeah, man, he got it. He <laughs> nailed it, man. It was so awesome. And I was like, dude, when did you realize you were gonna make it? And. uh yeah, so I'll definitely I'm talking with him tomorrow morning for next week, so that'll be super cool. Um, but it was like you know, if you finish a road race, there's thousands of people, but it's all like random people you don't know them. You finish this thing, yeah. and it's your it's your group, it's your people, it's your team that you yeah. guys all just made it through the desert. You're cheering for every single person, and you know it's cool because the people coming in at the end, they have more people cheering for them, you know, and you're so unbelievably happy for every single person that finishes and accomplishes it. Like it's just an amazing experience, dude. So. It sounds unbelievable. It sounds life changing. It sounds, it was like summer camp for grown ups, Kind of, you know, yeah. Like you're camping. Yeah, it kind of sounds hanging. like it too. We yeah, became it really good like at just be kids for a little bit yeah, too. You became really good at hanging out in the shade. I'm really good at that now. Um <laughs> but every like like I said, all the whole crew is with you, man. Like they're they're wanting you to succeed just as much as any of the other racers or yourself, you know. And uh I just cannot say enough about it. It was so cool. So that being said, I've already signed up for next year. Um <laughs> if you're out there listening and you want to sign up, you should totally sign up because I'm signed up. Uh, Phil's signed up. 
Paul's signed up. I'm not sure about anyone else yet, but we're all coming back. It's going to be awesome. I just hope it's hotter. Bring on the heat. Um, Wait, is, is Ryan signed up? Is he going to go for five years in a row? You know, it's, it would be six. And he said oh, he's going Excuse to – he's like, I'll volunteer next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, I kind of know what this is. I'm trying to think. I hope I mentioned everyone on the podcast because um, everyone was just so cool. Um, so I think you, I think we talked about Phil. We talked about Reed. Oh yeah, threw in a you threw in a couple names there. I tried to. I was like, everyone needs to be honored. Samantha. Um, so this lady, Samantha, she's a race director, um, <laughs> and she has a podcast. So let me just throw this out there real quick. It's called Endurance Town USA, I believe. Um, she was the person I saw at the top of that really hill in that really emotional part. And mm-hmm. she didn't know this at the time. Like I wasn't like, here's what everything I'm going through. Um, but I saw her up there and she was like, I'm dropping on the next aid station. Like she had gotten a car wreck and her leg was messed up, but she still had like, it was quite a ways to that aid station. But like, I just gave her a big hug and like, I don't know. I just, it was, it, it meant a lot to me in that moment. Um, yeah. uh, there was, uh, John Michelle, he was this like badass French guy, just, just knocking it out, like through the desert. Um, Vivian, Vivian, uh, I hope I say her last name, right. Dorn. She's from Seattle. She is the queen of cutoff times. Like she got <laughs> DFL at Bigfoot 200 last year and she beat it by like Dude, I don't even know. Like 30 minutes maybe. It might be less than that. Hold on. Let me look this up because Candace had a special award for like this giant trophy. And she's just like – it's just like, dude, you're insane. Like how did you manage that? She's like the master of management, you know. Um, And she signed (laughs) up for the triple crown of 200s I just see. So she's doing – she's taking that on. So good luck, Vivian. That rocks. Yeah, she got 104.39 – at Bigfoot 200 last year, and the cutoff was 105. <laughs> so she oh beat it by gosh. 20 minutes, which is so crazy. Oh um, shoot, man. If I f- didn't mention anyone on this podcast, you know, my bad. We'll get you next podcast because the next one, like I said, Brady is going to be uh, like we're going to do brief. It sounds like, like for listening to the podcast for like upcoming episodes, <clears throat> if you want to hear more about it, you're going to have oh, yeah. t- uh, some, some of these people. I mean, Anyone that has hung in this long and listened this, <laughs> as far into this, this is, you're, you're absolutely right. It's this a long one. I guess because you had a lot to say. But you and know what? Our, our Monument you, Valley race report well, was this long too. So, yeah. Yeah. Anytime it's this personal, I mean, do something this big and talk about personal. I mean, thanks for sharing, by the way. Yeah. That couldn't have been easy. And, like, I definitely know people listening will get a lot out of that and will just appreciate that level of. Um, honesty, that level of vulnerability, because that's that's not easy. Yeah. It, so, I definitely appreciate that, and also like just the message that you're spreading spreading with Dude, the podcast. That's with, the like, only what, goal for the podcast, man. I'm not yeah. trying to like. I don't have anything to sell. 
or anything like that. <laughs> no, you know I what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely like a, a, a noble pursuit. Anyone listening, like you'd think that it might be like an act. No, Chris is, Chris is that nice a guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just want people like, to sign up for 50 Ks, man. That's how people can reward me. I'm just like, if people like, sign up for their first 50 K, I'm like another one. I got another one on my list. <laughs> so yeah, man, it's, Dude, Brady, like you've done so much for the podcast, man. So thank you, man. Like I joke about this sometimes to people and I actually kind of have started believing it. But I'm like, dude, I make the podcast for one person and that's Brady Manriquez. And if other people enjoy it, like that freaking rocks. I love it. Well, but, That's why I'm on it so often, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I just remember it was like you were getting in shape and you were starting to run and like become an athlete again and stuff. And I was like, you know what? I want to put something out every week that like hopefully he can listen to on a run. That was it. Like, <laughs> And still to this day, like that thought is in the back of my mind where I'm like, dude, I can't wait for Brady to hear this. Like, I'm just excited. <laughs> well, just, I'm, just, I'm happy to help you get your whoopee on as Thank often you, as man. I can. You gotta get at least it. once a week. Yeah, no Merrill. <laughs> <laughs> no Merrill. <laughs> All right, All right man. man. Well, this is an uh, incredible podcast. This is awesome, thank and you, like, dude. I'm definitely. I want to hear from your future guests that did this race with you, like all of their experiences and I'm, what was their high point? What was their low point? Yeah. What what raw nerve did they hit along the way? Because exactly. I'm sure it hit multiple times, different points, yeah. different reasons, different everything and i um, feel and then, like that mental trip is always fascinating to hear and like especially if you get a taste of it and experience it on your own you've been inspired to do any kind of endurance events after listening to podcasts like these exactly. like i have um and you get a taste of what that is and you understand what it is to go on a trail run without like communication to the outside <laughs> world um uh yeah it's it's interesting to hear what other people went to and especially because it sounds like you guys had this community, this badass group of people that were like purposely rooting for one another. Like I'm really excited for your future guests here. Yeah, man. And I'm going to try to get not only racers, but um, med crew, aid station workers, things like that. So I don't know how long this podcast might be, Um, (laughs) but uh, so I might break that one up into two even if it's overly long but like i definitely want to give them the platform to share their own stories because we all have them and we've all like i said it's the same race but you experience everything differently and learn different lessons and it's so important to share these lessons with people man like go out and share your lessons share your goodness (laughs) to other people you know like don't always just complain to other people like share what you learn share share like what's making you want to live and like experience life you know what i mean like why not why not go out and like brady if you like doing something why not go out and be like tell the freaking world about it dude you know like i i ended up contacting so many people to do this race over the last week and maybe to an annoying extent, but I was like, dude, I just want people to experience this. This is so amazing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. So, um, that's, I guess I hope like, I hope you guys take that away from this podcast and this one being episode 100, like share your passions because you don't know who it's affecting. Like I've gotten some weird emails from people, not weird emails, but like 
random stuff that I was like, whoa, I didn't know it was affecting that person or like, I don't even know this person and it's somehow affecting them in a positive way. And that's all like, that's why we're put here, like affect other people in a positive way because why not? So, all right, Brady, I will let you go, brother. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, man. I really appreciate having you on. So, um, Hell yeah. all right, see you, man. All right, guys, that wraps up episode 100. And I, there's no, there's, what else is there to say? <laughs> um, a couple of racers I didn't mention in the show. And I'm like, oh man, I want everyone to be honored. Uh, Liz, you were just incredible. Um, and then uh, Cheryl, she didn't run with us the whole entire week, but like, so awesome. And, I, I think I mentioned Mickey earlier in the show, but he'll be on next week. He uh, he went through some hell on earth out in the desert, and I it's I feel like ultra running is the one event where it's like even the people who just like just by stepping up to the start line and being like, "We're gonna take this on," and I don't care what it throws at me even if it throws at me the most painful experience I've ever faced in my life, that's inspiring. That's so inspiring. And I'm so inspired by everybody, staff and crew, Kyla, Reed, thank you so much for putting on this event. It's a, it truly is a special event and I hope, I hope more people can experience it. Um, all right. That's all I want to say this week, guys. We'll be back at you next week. I already recorded a couple interviews with, uh, some of the other racers and I'm hoping to put together a nice um, amazing show and I have a lot of really cool stuff coming up um, I'm going to try to record a bunch over this month in July while I'm uh, on summer vacation so uh, I have some really interesting inspiring really cool guests coming up so I hope you guys tune in for that and uh, we'll see you next week see you guys